Today is Sunday, May 20th, 2018. The title of today's sermon is When God Comes Down. When God Comes Down. Would you turn to Isaiah chapter 64 for me? And while you're turning there, I want to remind you of some of the last few services that we've had. Two Sundays ago, we heard a message from Pastor Eric called Drowning in His Goodness. The analogy that he used was the Sea of Galilee versus the Dead Sea. How much we are receiving and how much we are pouring out will absolutely depend and show what kind of, uh, what kind of life we'll have. We must be flowing outward with the fresh water spring of the Spirit and the Word being poured into us. Two Wednesdays ago, we heard a fellowship offering. That LCM is a church of sacrificial fellowship. Come on, say sacrificial. sacrificial. We must continue to lay down every interest of our own for the sake of fellowship and the benefit of others. This is how we overcome. The Legio Fulminata. If you don't know what that is, check out the sermon entitled A Fellowship Offering. We want to stay on the ice, my friends. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's stay on the ice. Last Sunday on Mother's Day, we heard generations that are stirred and not shaken. We're not waiting for the spiritual waters to be stirred. We are the ones who are supposed to be stirring them up so that here on earth we are rising up to the heavens. That faithfulness in our generation stirs up the next. We are a church that so firmly believes in whatever is being built in this generation, the next generation should exceed us. I mean, think about that. How many denominations, how many religions do you know of that continue to grow? They might grow in numbers, but what they, what they decrease in is each individual compared to the founder. The founder some great person, in quotes, some fantastic man. And then after time, it just... We have more and more people who are more and more shallow. We're trying to do the opposite of, as a church here today. We're doing the opposite. We want you to go further than we do as pastors. I want my children to go much further than I can as a parent. That is what we're doing. We want to be stirred and not shaken. Last Wednesday, from one of our own missionaries who is here in the house today, we heard the message agape from the heart of evangelism. We need a reckless agape for our brothers and for the lost. We must return to our first agape, our first love, so that our sacrifices for the Lord are not in vain. Are you in Isaiah 64 with me? Let's start in verse 1. It says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's what I want for today. There's no secret about it. This is what we want. Today on the Jewish calendar, in the Hebrew calendar, this is the day called Shavuot. This is the festival of weeks. This is what we would know in the Greek term as Pentecost is today. And the truth is, is I felt like Lord was laying this on my heart based on what has been moving my heart this week. And then after I realized the direction, I went, oh, you know what today is? This is not something that I planned based on the calendar, but it's amazing that the calendar is confirming exactly what we need today. By the way, this is the way that the Spirit of God works. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, God. From where you are, that you would tear aside any hindrances, that you will come down to us, and that the mountains would tremble before you. Look at verse 3. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down. This is always the plan of God, is that he comes down to us. And the mountains trembled before you. There it is again. What happens when the Lord comes down? The very earth starts to shake. You remember in Acts 4, 
what was happening. They were, in, they were praying and what began to happen. They were praying and so full of the Holy Spirit, the building began to shake. I want this building to shake today with His Spirit. I want your soul to shake today with the power of His Spirit. Anybody need just a fresh touch of the Spirit today? Anybody battling anything this week? Been going through difficulty? Have a lack of clarity in where you want to go? Yeah, then today is the day that the Spirit and the Father Himself will come down and shake us to our core. Look at verse 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Nobody can talk about the God that we serve. Nobody is able to look and see that when we wait on him rightly, when we poise ourselves, and by the way, waiting is not a passive task in this, in this passage. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. What does that mean? You went and took a nap? That's, that's not us waiting on the Lord. You're active. You are preparing your hearts. You know what you're doing while you're waiting? You're cleansing out everything that you know is going to get in the way. I have, I have my, my in-laws here today. I am so glad that they are here. They are such a blessing to me. I love them like I love my own parents. They're special to me. And because they're special to us, when we got the call on Friday, they were coming in. I wasn't sure. My wife was more sure. Can I tell you what happened? We were waiting on them to get home. We were so excited. But you know what waiting looked like? They're going to be here in two hours. Clean everything. We did more cleaning in the two hours before they got here than I have seen done in a while. I was like, wow, I didn't even... Wait, we're, we're, we're wiping down baseboards in the house. I'm like, what in the world? I mean, I love y'all and you deserve it. Our waiting was very, very, very active. You know why? Because we had someone important to us that was coming down to see us. And so we wanted to make sure that when they got here, it was going to be something special. Come on now, what about the Lord? When He comes down, no eye has seen. Do you know that this passage is quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? That no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, that no mind can conceive the good that God has. The the good things that he's prepared for those who love him. And then in verse 10 it says, but the Spirit has revealed it to us. Yeah, you can't even conceive, isn't that where most people stop? Man, you can't even imagine what God can do. That's true, and I'm expecting the Spirit to reveal it to us today, what in fact he can do for you. What in fact it does feel like for the God of all creation to come down and move upon us. Let's look at verse 5. You come to help those who gladly do right who remember your ways. Come on, I want us to to take a minute here and I want us to pray. Pastor, we're already in the service. Yes, and we're going to stop and pray. I want us to stir our hearts. Did you hear Judah's words of, of, of admonition and encouragement to us today? Man, we are here. I have an expectancy in my heart that God is going to do something. Let's, let's be honest for a second. You ever come into a church and not really had much of an expectancy about anything? You might have, truthfully, if we're honest with ourselves, we might have more expectancy about where we're going to go for lunch. Or fellowship after. We've thought more about where we're going to go for lunch or who we want to connect with to go to lunch than we have this time to be together and ask that the God of all creation come and do something in our midst. I was, I've been moved this morning in my soul 
for you and for me. We're going to pray to this God who comes down and shakes mountains. We're going to pray to this God who has changed so many people and so many lives. I'm going to pray, and I know that many people in here, I know many, many, most of you in here, and I know that the Lord has done things in your life, but I'm going to ask that He do something special for you today. We're going to kind of just lay it out there, and if He doesn't come and move, well then, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that I serve a God who comes down to move on our behalf. I'm going to pray here. Actually, I'm going to lead you in prayer because I want you to pray with me. I want you to stir up something on the inside of you. If you got, if you got here today thinking about a million other things and you really hadn't had much of an expectation of what the Lord might do, let's just repent right now. Let's just be honest with ourselves and let's just repent and get our hearts ready. Amen? Amen. Mighty God, we come before you right now as a body of believers. Lord, we want to stir up the gifts that are within us. We want to stir up an expectancy. Lord, we're asking that you would rend the heavens and come down to us. That you would move upon us today. Not in a religious kind of way, but one in which the God of all creation comes and changes our hearts. Comes and fills us with his Holy Spirit. Lord, stir in your people now what you were intending to do all along. Lord, for our guests who are here, Lord, who maybe thought that they came because of a schedule or because of an invitation from another friend. Lord, we know that you are the one that ordained this time. We honor you and thank you for our guests. And my expectation is high for them. Lord, that you might bring salvation, that you might bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit to each and every person today. That you will replenish and renew our very hearts in this place. For it's in your mighty name, in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. Be here with us. Be here. I know you're here physically, I get that. But be here. Exodus 19. Man, this is one of the most important times in the history of mankind that God decided to come down And make himself known to an entire nation of people. Man, it's something special when God does anything. If God has ever spoken to your heart, you know that it could could fuel fuel you for decades. But when he comes and speaks to an entire group of people, what happens today if the God of all creation decides to come down and speak to us? This is something special that we have. In Exodus chapter 19... Let's start in verse 4. Are you there with me? This is what you are to say to the house. I'm sorry, verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings. Anybody ever been carried by the Lord? Man. Yeah, I really didn't have much strength of my own, and I don't even know how I got through that situation. I don't even know how I got through that season. I I know exactly how you got through the season. The Lord carried you on eagle's wings. He didn't carry you, not even in a lowly way. He didn't say, I put you on the back of a turtle. And slowly, he put you on eagle's wings, man. He put you someplace where you would soar up high. And I brought you to myself. Wait a minute. Why does he want to carry you, Paul? Because he wants to bring you to himself. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We know that in Peter, those things are now, we have been made a part of this. We've been included in this. These are the words you are supposed to speak to the Israelites. I'm going to speak them again to you today. On the Hebrew calendar, this is the day that they celebrate this great event that took place thousands of years ago. They view it as a marriage proposal. We view it as the day the law was given, the Ten Commandments. They view it as a marriage contract where their God came down and offered himself as a groom and they the bride. This is a beautiful time. Let's look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Do you know why the Lord shows up? The Lord shows up, at least partially, to help build your faith so that your trust will be increased. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Look in verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today. Our time right now, through the Word of God, is to help you to get consecrated so that He may show up and visit with us. Consecrate them today. What does that mean? That means to get them pure, to get them cleansed, to get them washed. Have them wash their clothes. Have them get their deeds in order, folks. How's your heart doing? How's your heart doing today? How are your deeds? What are your expectations like? Have you allowed your circumstances to overwhelm you this week? Have you allowed yourself to have less than a godly attitude about what's going on? Or has your true heart been shown by the pressures that you've been put under? Wash their clothes and be ready. We've got to be ready on the third day because that day the Lord will come down on the Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Verse 12. Put limits for the people around the mountain. Have you been looking at the limits in your life as something bad? Put limits around the mountain. Why? Because there's a time for preparation. Today, this time of preparation is actually right now during the service. We're asking that the word of God that's coming to us right now will begin to consecrate our hearts. That we begin to wash our clothes. That it's putting limits on our lives for our good. Psalm 16, because our boundary lines have in fact fallen in pleasant places. The things that he puts to limit you are not to harm you, they are to help you. So that you might cry out to him. So that you might consecrate yourself and be full of his spirit. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. In other words, don't lay a hand on this guy. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He should not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up to the mountain. What a beautiful picture we have here. There is a time when there, is limit, when there are limits that are set for you. But you know what can remove those limits? The ram's horn. The sound of redemption that begins to echo in your ears. The reminder that he is calling. You're not allowed to come into Christ on your own volition. You can't decide when you're going to get saved. That is the biggest 
lie from the pit of hell that you can have. I'm going to decide. I don't want to receive Christ now, but at some point in the future when I feel like it, yeah, sure, that sounds just like you're making him God versus keeping yourself as God. When I decide, when I get ready, you don't understand, Pastor, when I get ready, then I will get saved. Yeah, unless the ram's horn is calling today in your life, you can't just come up on the mountain on your own. You're not allowed to just go when you decide. There's limits that are put there so that you might cry out to him and consecrate yourselves. Then, everybody say then. Then Then when the ram's horn sounds, you're allowed to go up on the mountain. It's death in one minute and it's life in the next. And the thing that separates it is the ram horn, the ram's horn of his very redemptive power. Wow. Do you see why the people of of Israel celebrate this kind of a day? Do you understand why they're looking at this? Let's look at verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. Come on, Fulminata. With a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Not just a loud trumpet blast. I guess not just a trumpet blast, which is in itself loud. Then a loud trumpet blast. This is a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. It's a pretty amazing thing when the God of all creation begins to show up. The Bible says that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Everyone in the camp trembled, great and small. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Come on, I'm praying today that our whole place will be covered in smoke because the God of all creation descends in fire upon us. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. What does it sound like? It sounds like God rented the heavens and came down. There's a thick cloud of God's presence. Sometimes when we think about a cloud, if you're in a a fog bank, you're like, yeah, I can't see very far. Things are obscured from my vision. I can't see anything else. Yes, that is the point today. That you will have your vision blocked from seeing anything else but His presence. Your ears will be deaf to any other sound except for the the loud trumpet blast that rings in your ears today. I hope everything else is deafened in your ears today. That nothing else can even try to get through. When something gets louder and louder and louder, it can get painful in your ears. But you know what else it does? It blocks everything else out. It's the only thing that you could see or hear. Look at verse 19. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. There it is. What happened? God came down and Moses got to go up and be with him. The God who comes down to meet with us. We are not a church that says that you can get there on your own. We're not a religion that says that you can just build up some type of tower to reach him. We're saying, God, if you don't come down and do something, I have no chance of ascending to you. If you don't come down and meet with me and give me your spirit and give me your word, then I have no chance. But when you can come to that, 
When you can come to that understanding that when the Lord comes down, it gives you the opportunity to go up, man, oh man. So how did the people of Israel, how did the children of Israel respond? They're they're there and the Lord begins to, to give them instructions. He begins to pour out His Spirit upon them to give them the covenant of love. He expresses it to them in beauty and in majesty. How did they respond? I don't know. How do we respond when the Lord moves in our hearts? Let's turn to, let's turn to Exodus chapter 32. This is quite a few number of chapters ahead, but this is picking up in the story. Moses goes up on the mountain. Exodus 32 and verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. You don't let a movie that was made years ago determine what you think about this passage. They had two tablets written on the front and the back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. How important do you think this is? This is the work of God, the engraving of God himself. When Joshua heard the noise, so they're coming down the mountain. Joshua hears the noise of the people shouting. He said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. Amen, Joshua. Thank you, warrior, for hearing the sound of of war. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat either. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. So what are they doing in this moment? They are they're having full-out revelry, debauchery, They're walking in so many of the acts of the flesh. It's incredible. Idolatry. Moses is up on the mountain. We just heard the loud trumpet blast mere days before. He's up on the mountain. And you know what they're doing? Hey, yeah, I don't know about this fellow Moses. What about you? Since the last time that God really spoke to you, have you returned to an idolatrous kind of heart? Have you then all of a sudden not become so certain about the things that you were certain when you were in the Lord's presence? People often get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they will try to go back into an old life. And pretty soon it's like a mountain that's in the rearview mirror. Boy, that mountain was incredible. We had a time with God. But now that we've driven away, I don't really remember how it's hard to remember what an important moment that was. If you get far enough away from those moments, you know what happens? You you just question that it was a real moment from the Lord at all. Yeah, I mean, I know I went up on the mountain, but, you know, now that I think about it, it was probably just a a molehill. It was just a little hill, and it really wasn't that big of a... You know, it probably wasn't the Lord either. Anyway, I want to read to you from from a Jewish source, since it is Shavuot. It says, And Moses turned and went down the mountain. After they had performed the wicked deed, oh wow, there you go, you can read it with me. Moses descended from the mountain and, as he approached the camp, observed the golden calf they had made. Until that moment, the tablets that the Holy One, blessed be he, 
had given him had virtually had been virtually self-born. <laughs> let, let, me, let me help you to, to get what he's talking about. In other words, they were light. When we're close to God, his word is close to us, and they feel light. It's almost like his commands are not burdensome to us. When we're full of his spirit, man, I can walk around and I can carry his word and I keep it close to my heart and I can accomplish it. You know why? Because his spirit is with me. His commands are not burdensome. They are helpful to me. I love them dearly. But as he descended the mountain, approached the camp and saw the calf, (laughs) the letters flew from the tablets and they became heavy in the hands of Moses forthwith. That's a good word. I hadn't, I hadn't used that one in a while. Forthwith, Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hand. Do you know what makes the command burdensome? Idolatrous sin. Now, this is an extra biblical source, right? So we're going to understand and we're going to leave that right where it is, but I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful picture in addition to the scripture that we're reading for us to understand. We want you to be consecrated today. We want you to be ready to hear the loud, the very loud trumpet blast of the Lord. To feel His Shekinah glory upon you. But the purpose of that is not so that we then turn and go back out the doors and return to any idolatry that we had before. That we return to the burdens that we had been carrying. But rather that we would be changed in a permanent way. Let's look at verse 25 of Exodus 32. You guys with me? Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so had become a laughing stock to their enemies. Is this not exactly what's going on in the church world in America right now? They're running wild, out of control, and becoming a laughing stock. That is exactly what's happening around us. But what about your life? It's easy to look at the church as a whole. What about you? Are there areas in your life where you're running wild? You're out of control? Have you made yourself a laughing stock? Wow. We've got to return to the place where God is meeting with us, where He has come down, that we might go up to Him. The writings also reference these things. Let's turn to Psalm 18 this morning. Psalm 18. Let's start in verse 7. It says this. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. There it is again. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. Great bolts of lightning routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke. O Lord, at the blast 
of the breath of your nostrils. Look at verse 16. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. Come on, can anybody claim this as part of your testimony in this place? He reached down. I don't know how far he had to reach for you, but he had to reach way down for me. He had to reach way down and take hold of me. When was the last time that you could say that the Lord really took hold of you? Do we have some idols in our own hearts of of controlling what the Lord is doing? Of controlling your own path? You know, I'm going to do this. Lord, I'm going to let you do this, but only this far. I, I want you to move, Lord, but I don't want you to mess with this part of me. He reached down and took hold of me. Man, I want the Lord to take hold of us today. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. What kind of enemy? Yeah, it's a powerful enemy. What kind of enemy? It's a powerful one. Yeah, Lord, I'm not sure that I can overcome this. Yeah, this enemy is too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. Come on now. He rescued me because he had to. He rescued me because it was advantageous. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Larissa, we serve a God who delights in us. And that's why he rescues us. Come on, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 1. We've seen in Exodus. We've seen in the law. We've seen in the writings in Psalm. Now in Ezekiel chapter 1. Man, what a glorious picture of the heavens coming down. Of God coming down. A picture into the heavens itself. Let's look at verse 10. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 10. Their faces looked like this. Each of them had four, each of the four had the face of a man. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left side, the face of an ox. And each also had the face of an eagle. Man, this is an incredible sight to see. When we focus our eyes on Christ, you never know exactly what you're going to see because it, it will blow your mind. The revelation that he gives. Look at verse 15. As I looked at the living creature, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. There was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like chrysolite and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not turn about. You know what this means? That means when God is with you, it's always forward. Whatever direction that the Lord tells you to go is always forward. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not turn about as they went. Their rims were high and awesome. Welcome back, 1990s. Because their rims were high and awesome. And all four rims were full of eyes around. Let's go down to verse 25. Then there came a voice from heaven over the expanse above the expanse, over the heads as they stood with lowered wings. This is God beginning to speak. He shows Himself, He reveals Himself that He might speak to you and give you His words. That's what He did on Mount Sinai. That's what He's doing here. That's what He did in Psalm to to David. Let's look in verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 27. I saw that 
from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. Come on, our God is full of fire. And that from the, there down, he looked, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the, cl- in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. When you are with the Lord, there is a radiance that you can become a part of. There was a sermon, an excellent sermon from a few weeks ago called Radiance. Listen to it. Get it in your soul. There was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down. You know what happened to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai? They all trembled. Do you know what happens to Ezekiel here? When you hear the voice, it causes you to want to fall down in worship to the King of Kings. And I heard the voice of one speaking. How are you doing hearing the voice of the Lord today? Are you able to hear the voice of the Lord? Are there things that you need to hear from the Lord today? Are there directions that you've been inquiring of the Lord? You know what's going to do that for you? When the God of all creation comes down and you get to go up and be where He is. When He comes down, you will begin to hear His voice clearly. Turn to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Verse 1, Psalm 29, 1, are you there? Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. We're going to worship here in just a little while. We're going to worship Him in the splendor of His holiness. You know why we wanted to get into the Word so quickly today? That we might consecrate ourselves. That we might in fact be able to worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. I know that we can be still and hear the voice of the Lord. I know that He can whisper to us just like He did to Elijah on the mountain. But you know what I also know? Some days we just need to have the Lord thunder to us with His voice. Lord, I am so glad that you can whisper to us. I'm listening. You know what, Lord? I'm just having a hard time. I just need you to thunder it to me. I just need you to have a voice that's over the waters. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes and flashes with lightning. Where does it strike and flash with lightning? Yeah, anywhere that it needs to. As the, as the voice of the Lord begins to speak to us today, I'm believing that it's going to strike right in your soul. I'm believing that it's going to strike and flash right in your spirit and cause you to come alive. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the deserts of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips bare the forest. And in His temple, all cry, Glory! Come on, we're going to have the voice of the Lord speak to you and me today. Not only because of this preaching, He's going to speak to you exactly what you need to hear today. He's going to speak to you today. Glory to God. 
I want him to speak. I don't just want him to speak. I need him to speak to me today. Come on, let's turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Glory to God. Revelation chapter 1. Let's look at verse 10. On the Lord's day. Somebody say the Lord's day. I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. If you don't think that the event at Mount Sinai is littered all the way throughout the scripture, when they're asking God to come down, if you don't think that they're thinking about that mountain on that day when God came down and spoke, you're missing out on a beautiful understanding. Even here in the book of Revelation, A loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Well, what did he see? Look at verse 12. I turned around to see the voice. Isn't that a neat way to say that? He didn't say I turned around to see the person speaking. He said I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool. Come on. I'm I'm trying to catch up with Elder Charlie and get some good, good, good white hair going. I can't wait. I'm I'm hoping for it. I'm looking forward to it. Not going to be any dye on this head. We're going to go gray as soon as we can. I'm going to look like Elder Charlie, Elder Bosch, and Jesus Christ himself. Come on now. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Does this sound like Ezekiel that we were just reading? Maybe they were seeing the same person. Maybe they were caught in the same dense cloud. Maybe if we really, if we really, really are desiring it today, maybe we can see some of the same kind of things in our own midst. Come on, what is it like to see Jesus Christ? He's not the effeminate version still stuck on a cross somewhere. This is Jesus Christ right now. This is the one that we're crying out to serve. This is the one that can set you free from your bondage. This is the one that can change your heart. This guy, this creator that we serve, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice, oh my gosh, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Man, if only there were some other place in Scripture that a sound like rushing waters we could could investigate. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. How do you describe the one who is indescribable? I don't know, but this is John's attempt to do it. How can you and I describe him? My goodness, I don't know, but today I want to see him. I don't know if I can describe him to you rightly because I know that my words will fall so very short. But the good thing is, is I'm not here today to give you words that are impressive, words full of human wisdom. What I want today to be like is just like it is in 1 Corinthians 2. I want it to be a demonstration of God's power. So that your faith may not rest on a single man or a single place or a single time on a single day, but that you will learn to put your trust and your hope in God. What do you need from Him today? What do you need to stir up within yourself? 
Have you gotten so used to hearing the voice of the Lord and then returning to your own ways that now it's just become a habit? I expect Him to move, but I don't expect to be changed. I expect Him to speak because we're that kind of a church where He does. I mean, I know 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says that these things must take place. But I don't expect it to stay with me as I go. I've got my own idols that I'm actually going to go back to. I've got my own troubles that I'm going to then load my own shoulders back up with them. I mean, I know that in His presence, I can't see or hear anything else but Him. But I intend in a few minutes to walk out and go back and feel just as bad as I did before I got here. Well, maybe it'll take 12 hours. Maybe it'll take to tomorrow morning and then I'm back in the cycle. Hey, let's have an actual experience with the Lord today that changes us. It is not based on what goes on behind this pulpit. It's based on what comes from the heavens. When God comes down and meets you at your point of need, I don't want you to go back to where you were. I love you. I love this church. I think God wants to do something in our midst today that's special. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's turn. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 32. If we're having trouble seeing him as he is, if we're having having trouble seeing him as the risen Savior, the ones whose eyes burn like fire, then we need him to come down and help us today. We need him to come down and lift us up today. In Genesis 32, let's start in verse 24. Genesis 32, 24, are you there? So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that he had, his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. One of the things I love about this church is that, that you have a tenacious attitude about things. Man, I don't want to let the Lord go today. I don't want to let this experience go by me today without grabbing on and saying, Lord, I need you to do something today. Lord, not only do I need you to do something to me, but I need you to do something in us today. There are people who are like zombies. They're walking around. They look like they're alive, but they're not. There are people who need your touch, Lord. They're they're hurting and they're broken, Lord. They need you to come in and touch them. They need you to come down. I will not let you go. Unless you bless me. The man asked, uh, what is your name? Jacob, he said. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Come on, today is the day for us to overcome in this place. Amen? Look at verse 20. um, Later on here it says, so Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Come on, we want to see Him face to face today and have our life spared. In this case, we, want, we do want to see Him. You know why? Yeah, because I actually need my life spared, and that's when I, it happens as I look upon Him. In John 1, we know that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Why? So that we could see what God is like. 
He gave us His own Son so that we could see what it's like. No man can see God and live, and yet He sent His Son so that we could in fact see Him and be transformed. Come on, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 3. We're going to stay in this passage. I've got another few short passages and then we're going to get to worship. We're going to motivate our, we're going to motivate our hearts to respond to what the Lord is doing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. The reason that we are supposed to see God is so that other people can see God in us. It's supposed to be starting with us and then moving out. You are written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. The whole idea behind the Newer Testament, the Brit Hadashah, is it teaches us how to engage rightly with the law that was given on Sinai. It is not a law that we are looking at in a negative way. There was glory. There was beauty in what the Lord gave. But now because of Christ, because He has written it upon our hearts, in Jeremiah 31, He says, I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm not going to write it on tablets of stone, but I'm going to write it on your hearts. I'm going to put it in your hearts. I'm going to put it in your minds so that it's not on stone anymore, but it's inside of you. He comes down to transform you so that His Spirit is inside of you, so that His Word is inside of you. How are we supposed to look at this? God's own Spirit is going to help us to understand and to keep the commands that He has given us. This entire passage here in 2 Corinthians is showing us the importance of internalizing the law, not abolishing it. It's not trying to get rid of it. Listen to this from from a writing that I found that is familiar and should be familiar to us. The primary advantage in the newer covenant is that the penalties demanding death have been met and removed and the Holy Spirit empowers us to keep the law. Showing us an abundant life. Abundant, full life that is free from condemnation. That's from a book called The Law Dog. Written by Pastor Eric about 13 years ago or so. If you haven't read that recently, you should get a copy and read it. Let's look back in 2 Corinthians now. Let's look at verse 7. Now if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. The ministry that brought death. Lest you think that this is a negative thing, that Paul is in one phrase going to say that it's good, in one phrase say that it's bad. This is saying, uh, he later in Romans 7 says, by the way, I wouldn't have even known what sin was unless the law was given. I wouldn't have even known that I was set up and established for death had the law not been given. Had you not loved me enough, Lord, to tell me what I needed to do, I wouldn't have even known. If the law, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory, because it did come with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, 
will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? This is a Calvay Comer argument. If one was glorious, how much more will this next one be? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison. Not that it has no glory, but in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Man, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. The entirety of the law dog helps us understand this in even better ways. But let's go on to verse 12. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. How's your boldness today? If you have this hope, then you should be very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. Let me read again from the law dog for you, just very quickly. Paul is using a metaphor regarding the veil. His point is that in Christ we see the true intent of the law. But those outside of Christ can't see it until the veil is taken away. The Lord's Spirit is the key to seeing the freedom that comes from the law. Ironically, I'm sorry, in Christ the veil is removed. We can be free from condemnation and free to do the good that the law requires as we look into the law, the perfect law that gives us liberty. Let's look at verse 15. Even to this day, When Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you have the Spirit working in you, you have freedom today. If you are not operating in the freedom that comes from His Spirit, we need to have the Lord come down. We need to have Him come down upon us today. Look at verse 18. And, when, and we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. Where did we go from in verse 12? Moses needed a veil. Why? Because the people, hey, we, we can't look at that radiance. Can you put a veil over that? He would take the veil off when we go into God's presence. But he put a veil on so people couldn't see the fading nature of the glory. And we, verse 18, who with unveiled faces, turn to your neighbor and say, we need to have unveiled faces. We We all reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. Not a veiled, decreasing kind of glory, but an unveiled, increasing kind of glory. This is the picture of us stirring it up and stirring it up until it is a funnel from the earth to the heavens. That He comes down and we feel Him coming down and so we begin to stir. And His Spirit comes and empowers us. I want this church to have an unveiled, ever-increasing glory that rests upon us. Whatever veil that you have on today, we've got to tear the veil off. In Christ Jesus, it is torn away from us. Just like when He came down and tore the veil in the temple, He showed us how to get rid of the veil. 
He says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to put my words in your heart. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and you will be able to reflect my glory rightly. We've got to reflect his glory today. We've got to be moved by his spirit. For my last passage before we get back into worship. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. The point of God coming down is to empower us. The point of Him being here. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in this place. The point is that He uses you to do His will. The point is that you are so full of the Spirit, you are reflecting Him rightly. And it changes. It rattles the world around you. We are long overdue to have more and more of us in this room. Not the American church at large, but more of us in this room rattle the buildings that we are walking into. That we will rattle the lives of those around. We will not be quiet. We will not be silent. We will stand up. We will rise up and let God come down and do something in us so that we can take it to the world. We can take it to our families. We can take it to the lost. My God, would you help us today? There's something that's stirring inside of me. There's something that God wants to do. In Acts chapter 2, let's look at verse 1. <coughs> when the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, when today came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. The very voice of God began to speak and it sounded like rushing waters. His spirit began to move and it began to stir people in their soul. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. We're going to get into worship here in a minute. You know what's going to happen? I am confident that the Lord will move on our behalf as we cry out to Him. It's not, a go, not only going to impact those of you in this room, it's going to impact our kids. It's going to impact the nursery back here. The Lord is going to move in our midst just like He did on this day. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. I want to see God's fire on each of us today. Not just a collective flame that's over the tabernacle, but individual fire so that he can put it down on the inside of you. That he will come down and reach down and get you where you are and grab hold of you. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. If you desire it in this place today, if you are ready for the Lord to come down and touch your heart, Every one of us should be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Every one of us. If you got filled yesterday, get filled again today. Um, Megan, would you put up Jude chapter 20? You guys hold your place in Acts 2. I'm sorry, Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter. I made that difficult. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. I challenge those of you who were there on Friday night. You should be praying every day in the Holy Spirit. You should wake up and pray in the Holy Spirit. You should drive to work praying in the Holy Spirit. 
You should be at work. Are you getting where I'm going here? Why? Because the Word of God tells us to do it. Build yourselves up. Are you feeling weak? Are you feeling anemic in the spiritual things? Well, then build yourself up. Put down your phone for a few minutes, my God. Put down the TV remote control for a little bit and actually pray in the Holy Spirit. Back to Acts. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's look down to verse 17. What was spoken by the prophet Joel was unleashed upon this day. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Come on, parents. You've been praying for your sons and daughters to prophesy? You should be. It doesn't even say that you're going to pray for it to do. It's going to be when the spirit is poured out, that's what's going to happen. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants. (laughs) Don't feel like you're a son. Don't feel like you're a daughter. It's okay. Even on the servants. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Amen. Even on you. Both men and women. Yeah, this is not a sexist issue. Both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The witness of the heavens and the earth. It's almost like God coming down and getting hold of us again. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. You know why? Because he's going to come down and rattle that mountain. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Before you can get spirit filled, you've got to allow the Lord to save you. There is a limit of what you can get until you get saved. For those who are in this place today, with questionable standing with the Lord. Let's be real. It's not even that it's questionable. It's that you're far from the Lord. I'm praying that you will feel His His Spirit today and that He will draw you and that you will respond to a God who comes down. Let's look at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus Christ whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Here it is. What are we going to do? He began to move upon the men's hearts that were in the room, the upper room. He started with an individual move, but the individual move is never for the individual only. The individual moving, God moving in your heart is to move it so that the corporate body can once again hear His voice. So that the corporate body can be His hands and feet in this world. He's not just wanting to move on you for only your sake. Immediately when he begins to work on us, you know what should happen in this place today? Man, I want you to get your tongues of fire. I want you to get everything that you need because God needs to come down and touch your heart. You know what, as, my, as your pastor, you know what I know needs to come next? Man, you need to get up and turn and find somebody that you can impart to. Amen. 
It's not designed for you to keep only. The people heard this and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're here today and you have not started at that very first step of repenting, turning from sin and turning towards God, then today you can be moved upon by the God of all creation. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Come on now. Are you ready for the Lord to do something in us today? Yes. Would you stand to your feet?